words in comedy that everybody knows. Mel Brooks. So radio, of course you listen to radio. Yeah, when you're we all listen. We all listen to it. Who did you like in a comedy show when you were listening to the radio? Well, it? when I was a kid, I didn't like comedy for a long time. I liked uh, Jack Armstrong, mm-hmm. you know, the All-American, All-American Boy. All-American Boy, right. I liked stuff like that. Then, as I got a little older, when I got to be 10 or 11, I liked Fred Allen. And yes. all the Allen's Alley, yes, and all the ca- the characters, yeah. you know, Mrs. Nussbaum, all those, all, all those characters. All, I yeah. love that. And then Jack Benny, of course, yeah. and they had a feud. They had this loving feud. Yes, uh, Benny. Fred Allen and Jack Benny. Fred Allen, yeah, yeah. Jack that was Benny. good how they did that. And later, I'll jump back to radio, but later in life, we would take a break at the International Theater where we did the first couple of your show of shows starring Sid Caesar and Imogen mm-hmm. Coca. Mm-hmm. And in the back seat during the rehearsals was Fred Allen really? all the time. Really? And then he'd come out with us and we'd sit on the curb, Bell Tolkien and Fred Allen, Sid Caesar and Carl Reiner. And we'd get sandwiches from Chock Full of Nuts, mm-hmm. which was across the street. Across the street. Yeah. And we, we'd sit on the curb in the yeah. sun, eat our sandwiches and talk about, you know, life and comedy. And, yeah. and he was the most smart erudite he was yeah. just the brightest brightest guy the brightest guy he loved and he said that you know he loved our show and he thought we we, we were taking a giant step forward in comedy and he was a big fan so yeah. it was great now the show of shows was 90 minutes when I was uh, yeah. watching it as yeah. a kid in Canada you're doing a show live for 90 minutes yeah 39 of them 39 of them 39 wow. a year wow. we didn't know we didn't know it's impossible. Yeah. We never would have done it if they said, you know, you're going to do an hour and a half show 39 times in a year. Well, you can't do it. No. Then no, no. it can't be done. Max Lieben was a bit of a genius. He filled it with arias from operas. Yes. With um, Jimmy Starbuck doing some classical ballets. Mm-hmm. He did it with dance teams, Mata and Harry. Yes. And everybody was good. Yeah. So that's how we were able to do roughly between six and eight comedy pieces. Mm-hmm. It would always be a monologue. It would always be a guest sketch. It would always be a domestic sketch, uh, usually a musical pantomime that Sid was kind of a genius at. So uh, when you would do a sketch, the sketches were long. They were long. They, they were seven because they were funny. There were seven minutes. Seven yeah, yeah, minutes. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, they were that's very long. That was long. And then you did every kind of gibberish. There was, it, yeah. And everyone thought it was real. I, I heard Italian. I thought that's yeah, what Italian foreign movie. We did foreign movies when America hadn't seen a foreign movie. Yes. So, right. I mean, who was supposed to get satirizing a Japanese movie when nobody yeah. in America had ever saw a Japanese movie. Yes, you did Japanese, you did the new French, wave, Italian, everything. you know, yeah. I mean... Yeah. You know, when I went to Second City and I was the, the kid, they were, they were all so talented, Arkin, all that. I was the baby of that troupe. And I had to do something, so all I could do was steal from Sid Caesar. That's Good. all I knew how to do. So I did a Japanese movie, and I called it Russia Shonamon. <laughs> <laughs> we, we had a lot of Yiddish, you know. You had a Yiddish, yeah, you did yeah, a lot shtaka, of... Shtaka, Yamagura. Shtaka, I mean, Yamagura, and you did a lot of Take, Take. Take, a lot of Take, right. <laughs> when you look back at that, that was fun. Well, we did, you know, it was sometimes absolutely dizzying mm-hmm. because you were... I mean, you were working at least 10 
hours, maybe 12 hours a day. Yeah. Endlessly to get yeah. 90 minutes, yeah. Sometimes, in the first four or five years, I literally slept under my desk. I mean, I had a roll, roll pack and really? rolled it out and, and slept because if a joke failed, then yeah. I slept under my desk. Or if a sketch failed, because yeah. you had to write a new sketch. Yes. You only had three days to write the whole thing. You know, you would think a week. Yes. But I'll, I'll explain why you only had three days. Okay. Because Freddie Fox would come to us. He was the scenic designer. Oh. And he said, I got to know. Yes. I got to know what it's about. Yeah. You so can't, I can can't write, go to Paris can, all of a sudden when write, I haven't done a yeah, Paris set. I got to paint the drop. What is the foreign movie? What country? Yeah. Give me clue. You know, the, the yes. set designer had to know. Yeah. And then... Charlie Sanford would come to us. He was the conductor, and uh, he was the musical guy. And Irv Kostel was the arranger. So Irv and Charlie Sanford would come to us and said, okay, watch the show. We said, we don't know. We didn't write it, you know? They said, we've got to know. And the sets have, and then the costume designer would say, what are you doing? I have to base the costumes on something, you know? And even the makeup would come. Is it a French thing? Do I need to put a dot on, on Sid's cheek, If you know? Yes, you can't wait for inspiration right, because right. everyone has a job to do depending upon what you're writing. And then if something failed, you know, it was miserable. You know, we'd have... What, uh, what failed? But Saturday afternoon, you'd have a run-through. Yes. And a sketch would bomb. It just, well, you know, it wasn't funny. They didn't... Yeah. And Sid would say, okay, give me something new, you know. He didn't even say what, you know. You know? <laughs> and but then we had Tony Webster. And Tony Webster... And Mel Tolkien mm -hmm. and myself, and and we would just work all night, because I mean that was a Friday afternoon rent. Through. We'd work all night to have a Saturday, you know, and then we would polish everything up between five and eight. We'd have to polish an hour and a half show. And the and Sid Caesar and Imogene Coke or whoever was Nanette Fabre yeah. or whatever those or Coca to begin Coca to begin with, they were getting rewrites in the last minute, right? You would. They couldn't really memorize. They would have to see a cue card and then improvise off of it. Yeah. Do you know? You ever hear of Commedia dell'arte? Sure. Sid was like a genius at Commedia dell'arte. Mm -hmm. You'd give him a storyline. You give him a character. Yeah. You give him exactly more or less step for step what should happen in that scene, mm -hmm. and give him some key jokes, mm -hmm. maybe three or four in the scene. Mm -hmm. And set him free. Yeah. And he would. And he, Sid was indeed. You know, people would throw the the word around loosely. Sid Caesar was a genius. Yeah. He actually was a genius. Yes. Yeah. Sid yeah. Caesar was a true comic yeah. genius. When I used to write for Will Jordan and people, you know, for Joey Bishop for the comics, I would pray that they would get the joke right and do it right. Meet the material. Just mm -hmm. meet it. Get it. Mm -hmm. But Sid Caesar, he always lifted the material. He was great. Yeah. He really was great. Yeah. And a long show, 90 minutes to keep yeah, on And the going. only guy to keep up with him on Italian and French was Carl. Carl, And yes. the only guy that could keep up with him in German was Howie. Carl was a pretty pretty much of a, of a genius himself. I mean, yeah. he was very talented. Yeah. He kept up with him in the foreign movies, which is... Yeah. And Howie once was a, was a genius with a sour pickle. It was, it was a business sketch. Mm -hmm. We have to work through lunch. So uh, they went through and the tuna. Yes, every so Carl got his tuna, and how he got the you know was uh, his uh, American cheese sandwich. Everybody got their sandwich except Sid said, "Where's my bacon and raisin sandwich?" 
God, bacon Where's the bacon and raisin on whole wheat toast with nuts and and they looked they kept looking through the box. He said, Well we'll call them. He said, Well, you know, all right, the heck but we gotta get through it. Give me the report on the acquisition of so and so. How he was giving him the report brilliantly, mm-hmm. but he had a sour pickle in his hand. <laughs> And as he gave him the report, the pickle would go past Sid's face and near his mouth. And, <laughs> and he was hungry. And Sid was very hungry. <laughs> and he would be following. He didn't give a damn about the report. He was just following that pickle. You know? <laughs> With his tongue out yeah, like an animal and, trying to get it. And, and how he yeah. kept moving it like a Toreador yeah. with a bull. It's yeah. funny, even looking at show shows now, you see the joy in it. People laughing and, it, it, it's a, and so surprising everywhere you go. You never knew... Yeah. Where sketch was headed, watching it, me as a kid watching. But we really, we were good writers. We got, we got the best writers in the world. Writers you knew, Act One, Act Two, Act Three, beginning, middle, and end. And I, I can say this honestly. I watched Saturday Night Live for what, what twenty years, mm-hmm. and. Once in a blue moon, they'd have an ending, yes. and that's my son. Max Brooks yes. wrote it for two or three years. He yes. wrote Saturday Night Live. I don't think they ever had an ending. Yes. They just, the sketch was over when they didn't want to do it anymore. You know? <laughs> yes, right. But we always thought we were writing little playlets. Well, you were. And we yeah. needed yeah. premise, we yeah. needed a development, and we needed an ending. Yeah. We were all little, little of Clifford Odetzes and Eugene O'Neill's, and yeah. we were all these yeah. little. One of, one of us turned out to be. Doc Simon, Neil yeah. Simon, who yeah. really did that. Yeah. So how much of Show of Shows is in the Mel Brooks uh, canon of films? And- Maybe none of the actual, you know, prem- premises of material, but the uh, the joy of comedy, the joy yeah. of comedy. Yes. The energy and the, the stick-to-itiveness to keep fighting till we got a better moment. It was like... Uh, they taught me these things. I was a, a cadet, believe it or not, at Virginia Military Institute, the oh. West, West Point of the South. Really? The Well, the Army sent me there. Yeah. It was a, a reserve program. Mm-hmm. And I went, you know, lo- it was like honor, loyalty. You know, they taught you these things that were important. And I was taught something like that vis-a-vis comedy on the show of shows when Max mm-hmm. Lieben, mm-hmm. it was Max Lieben University. Mm-hmm. And he taught us, you know, that... That things had to be not just adequate, but they had to really be good. And uh, we had people like Joe Stein, yes. the brilliant writer who... Fiddler on the Roof. Yeah, who wrote Fiddler on the Roof. Yeah. Our typist yeah. was a little redhead by the name of Mike Stewart, Michael Stewart. Yes, incredible. Who wrote the book for Bye Bye Birdie, yeah. for MAME, for Hello Dolly. Yeah. They, I mean, that was just our typist. It was such a ripe a ripe group. And the heart of it for me was Larry Gelbart and Doc Simon. You know? Yes. But they were big fans of mine. Yes, because you were funny all the time. I heard that from everybody. I'm still, I'm old enough to have met these people and talked about you. They said you came into the room, yeah. and the room lit up when you were late. Yeah, well, happening. I had to make up for being late, so I had to be <laughs> yeah. funny. Yeah, but there was one to go to lunch with me because they knew I would do something untoward or <laughs> unseemly. Yes. Yes. So we worked on Fifty Seventh Street, and uh, we're coming down Seventh Avenue and coming up from Sixth Avenue on Fifty Seventh Street. Our three nuns. In the old-fashioned nuns. Yes. And the penguin. Wearing, you know, wearing the, and the habits, yeah. really. Yeah. And Doc and Neil Simon said, mm-hmm. Mel, please, no. Don't. Just, <laughs> just don't. He knew there was going to be know, something. Larry said, come on, Mel. You know, 
don't don't say a word. Once, let's just go by them. You know That's hilarious. I, mean? I said, oh, well, all right. You know, I, but as they approached, I couldn't help myself. What did you say? And I screamed, get out of those costumes. The sketch is out. And, and Doc and Larry hit the, they really fell on the pavement. Yes. You know, the nuns looked at me like, what sketch? What, well, this, you know, this, we, <laughs> but I'd be good for stuff like that. Yeah, well, you were irreverent. Uh, the producers is irreverent. The Nazi stuff, the German stuff, oh, I the, mean. Yeah, the nerve. It was incredible. You know, you you uh, you doubled down on Ernst Lubitsch's. Yeah, I know. Uh, and, but some things I didn't write, like Carl would come up, Carl Reiner would come up with, like, incredible moments of comedy. A switch that was brilliant, a switch that wasn't even in the sketch. Because mm -hmm. Sid said to him, it's a spy sketch. And Sid says to him, and you will be at that newspaper kiosk. You will be that red-headed woman. And Carl said, I am that red-headed woman. I'm, I'm in disguise now. You know? And that was, you yes. know, even Sid didn't take it. You know, yeah. Sid went, hanging on, talking to Clint. All right. You're, yeah. Yeah. Were you writing on the set as you were doing the show live? Sometimes. Sometimes you were, but most of the time it had to be done and rehearsed. And oh, it had to be done. Yeah. And, yeah. Only when Sid, you know, really got stuck would we, and I got I got him stuck. It was my fault. Mm -hmm. I created such a terrible incident. Right. For Sid because Caesar. the sound man said, hey, you know, Mel, nobody can do a cat sound like you. And I... <laughs> I had a, I oh, that's do, very good cat. Ooh. I could do the best cat sound. You look like a cat when you do that. Yeah. It's great. So, <laughs> Dial M for Money was the sketch. Mm -hmm. So he's walking backwards in a dark room, and he's getting away with it, with the diamonds, with the brooch, with everything he's put into this little bag, and he's <laughs> going out of the room backwards, and he doesn't realize a cat is there. He has a white cat. <laughs> and he, we had the camera right on the cat's tail, mm -hmm. and he backs up. So he steps on the cat's tail, I have no spit. I'm, I'm just dry. <laughs> they have a string. They have wires or something on the cat. They, so they move the cat back a little more. And mm -hmm. it keeps backing up. Mm -hmm. And every time he steps near the tail, I'm supposed to, but I can't. I'm going, because the sound man is going, he's pointing to me with two fingers. Yeah. Like, go. You know, and I'm going, yeah. <laughs> I'm just because I'm realizing there's a million people yes. listening, you know, as a million I'm performing for a million people and yeah. I I'm nervous. I'm just dry. <laughs> so finally before he reaches the door, he lifts his leg and he says, I'll give one mighty try, you know, and brings it down on the cat's tail hard and I I get the I get it I get the sound out. <laughs> and then Sid got off stage and looked at me and said, Never again. You know, <laughs> don't do no more cats. No more know, cats. Like, <laughs> he nearly had a heart attack, you know. Yeah, well, those memories have to be so so vivid. They are for me. I remember watching the show of shows. I never missed it ever, nor did yeah. any of my friends. It was the thing to watch, and you laughed in front of the television set like never have ever before that you time. Know, I used to do Jolie. I used to do Al Jolson, mm -hmm. you know, when I was working in the Bush. Mm -hmm. I used to do impressions of Al Jolson. Mm -hmm. I had an impression of Jolson talking, not singing. <laughs> Long distance, talking to Irving Berlin on in the New phone. York. On the phone. You know, Irving Berlin in California, because he was writing yeah. White Christmas yes. or something. Irving Berlin's in Hollywood. And I was Al Jolson mm -hmm. in New York. <laughs> do, do, a, do a little. Hello. 
Yo, hello. Is that Irving? Irving. Is that Jody? Irving. Is that Irving? Is a long day. He's calling me a fortune. Hello, Irving. Hello, Al. Irving. Irving, I'm doing it. They call it Bamba. And I need a, I need a tune right in the middle of it. It's that for that clothing. I'm in such trouble. Irving. Irving, can you? Yes, I... Yes, Al. Sure. What kind of a song should it be? Well, I gotta close the first act, so I'm not, I don't know. I mean, I knew the songwriter. You gotta, you know, so I would do, I do 10 minutes of Al Jolson talking to Irving Berlin. It's hilarious. And, you know, and a few people, you know, at the Kutcher Country Club would laugh, you know. Yeah, and, yes, know, yes. And I was killing myself. Yeah. Doing, doing but Jolson, Jolson was a Jewish son of a cantor yeah. who worked in blackface at the time that wasn't as unusual but as I used to sing now. like him a little bit you know I, I used to there was the there were two Jolsons I want to talk about my you know I mean there was the other Jolson I love you and I never loved before it was a sweet high jaw different yeah. voice yeah. when the first I met you on the village queen come to me Oh, my dream of love is o'er. I love you as I love you when you were sweet. When you were sweet. Sixteen. I could do that. That was great. I could do that beautiful, soft Jolie. But Jack Carter was better at the, Mama, how I love you, how I yeah. love you, my dear, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, Mel, tell me about the Catskills a little bit. Just, you know, it's so um, hard for people to imagine. Too many Jews. Too many Jews. <laughs> Too many Jews. <laughs> I used to finish a show and the, and the ladies in the tea room, there was a tea room, mm-hmm. they'd have sponge cake after the show. <laughs> I walked by and they'd say, Mel, Mel, M-E-L-B-M-N, Mel, Mel, you stink, but we love you. <laughs> yes, exactly. Crit- you stink, but we love they you. They were critical. They were very. Uh, yeah, they, yeah. They didn't. As long as you were there, they liked you. Yeah. They didn't care about the humor because, first of all, none of the jokes were in Yiddish, so they really didn't understand what mm-hmm. I was saying. You know, mm-hmm. and there were some comics that had a Yiddish act. They did all their, they did Jewish jokes mm-hmm. in Yiddish. There were only three or four hotels. There were. 50 or 100 where you had to speak English, you know. Yeah, yeah but they, they created their own stars there. Like Danny Kay came from there, is that right, Danny Kay? Danny Kay came from Tamament. Oh, Tamament, which was... Was in the Poconos, yeah, which Poconos. was not in the Catskills. Right, right. There were, and there were many wonderful, you know, the Henny Youngman guys who were really funny, you know. I asked my wife, where she want to go for a, a holiday? And she said... Take her to a place I've never been before. So I took her to the kitchen. Yes. But I, was, I mean, he had these... That's Henny Youngman. Yeah, that's a fabulous... One after another, yeah. and they were funny. Yes. And yes. they were funny. Yeah. Really. And they had a tough crowd. The Jews were a tough crowd. They were tough. So, they were yeah. really tough. Yeah. Well, I caught the tail end of the Catskills, and they didn't like anything that I did. They were like... Really? Yeah. First of all, they didn't think I talked loud enough. They got to say, talk louder, but oh, I, yeah. I, I, I had a mic. Well, I mean, you've made it as a comic, so what was lacking there? <laughs> Maybe you were learning your trade. Maybe you were beginning. Yes, it was It was helpful to have a hostile audience. Yeah. yeah. I, had a lot, I had a lot of those. You always had to do psychological or physical comedy or personal comedy. You never could do, ever do... Yeah, comment on something. You, you, political. You know, like, no yeah. political comedy. Yeah, they, right. they didn't like that. Yeah. 
I'm fat and I eat yeah, too much. They like diet, comedy, <laughs> yes. they, you know, yeah. stuff like that. You yes. know, you put me under a fat, there's a draft here. That, yes. That's the comedy they yes. like. Let's talk about young Frankenstein. So when you're working with Peter Boyle, when did putting on the Ritz come to you? If truth were told, Gene Wilder suggested it. I said, heel to toe. We were showing that the monster had certain kinetic abilities to show that he was, was functioning. Yes. And he was, that he was reanimated dead tissue and he yes. was actually reanimated. And Gene said, well, let's really, why doesn't he sing a song? And I said, well, it's not a bad idea. And I was going to have him sing a simple, lovely song. And Gene said, uh, well, what about putting on the Ritz? I said, I'm afraid that'll tear it. Gene, we've been very good. We've saluted Mary Shelley. Yes. You know, we've, we've yes. saluted James Whale. We've saluted Universal Black and White. We've been very good. We've only strayed an inch or two for our comedy. Yeah. If we do, you know, putting on the Ritz, we will go, it's like we will tear it. So we fought, every day we fought, he'd say, let's do putting on, I said, not putting on, yeah, give me another song. So finally, he, Gene said, look, maybe nothing will work, maybe no song. Why don't we film putting on the Ritz, you're the director, if you think, when watching the whole movie, it's different, it's tearing, we'll take it out. I said, okay. And it turned out to be the best thing in the movie. Oh, so and I fought him day and night against yes. it, and, and he was absolutely right. Yeah, and Peter just blasting it out. Oh, and Peter was Pe so good. Peter was such a honey. Oh, Peter yeah. was such a pleasure to work with. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Cloris was crazy. Yeah. Because we'd stra literally strap Peter down with iron sheets, over, you know, with iron belts yeah. to hold him down. As soon as he was strapped down, uh, Cloris would come over to the table and play around his crotch. <laughs> and he'd course. say, Mel, you know, I, I, I had to chase her away. <laughs> She'd drive yeah. me crazy. Yeah, he, he was a honey. He was, a, he was yeah. in Second City when I was there. Really? Peter, yeah, and I... I and who would, know, who would know a guy that was such a good actor? Yes. I first seen him playing Joe, you know. Yes, Joe was his incredible. first you know, calling who card. Knew, who knew he was such yeah. a good actor? Yeah, you he know? could do all these things. You found such incredible people like Marty Feldman, you know. Actually, you know who found him? Larry Gelbart. Oh. And Gene had seen him, met him in in England. Yeah. It was a Marty Feldman comedy machine. Yeah. He was yeah. doing it. He had a television in, in London, show, yeah. 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 Or outside of London. And uh, I believe Larry was the writer, director, producer of the show. Larry Gelbart. Larry Gelbart. Oh, I, really? Yeah, he found, Mar he was he the found, one who found Marty Feldman. And worked with him in England. And worked with him in England. Yeah. Gene was there doing something. They became pals. And Gene yeah. suggested him, and I called Larry, and Larry said, grab him. He's, he's really good. Yeah. And I saw a picture of him. I said, oh, my God, that's Igor, you know? Yes. Yeah. You know? And the only way I said once, they said, uh, working with Marty Feldman, I said, the, is, there is a way to hide from Marty Feldman. If you put your nose against his, he'll never see you. Because <laughs> he looks out the sides out the eyes. of his face. Yeah. Yeah. I found Madeline Kahn, and I found Cloris. Gene yeah. uh, liked Terry Garr. Terry Garr, of course, you know, yeah. Because he said, he said something, he said, she's beautiful and she can be funny. Yeah. Yeah, I said, okay. Yeah. 
I said, and I, I yeah. found Madeline. I said, she's beautiful and she could be very yeah. funny. <clears throat> but, you know, yeah, but, yeah. but but it was iconic, yeah. all, all these. How do you go from a movie to a Broadway play? Like, what happens when you go to a Broadway play? You, know, you call a, a car. I mean, when you, when you and they take it from one to yeah, the other. They're yeah. very good to edit me that way yeah, because yeah, people yeah. will think I meant how do you go to a Broadway play? I mean, how do you write? You, Mel Brooks, oh. who do everything, then all of a sudden he's doing a Broadway play, and people say well, he doesn't need a Broadway play. He's the biggest movie guy. But there's a diff- You know, there is a difference realistically in style, vis a vis a Broadway play or a movie. Mm-hmm. Movies have their own rhythm. In a play, you never worry about a master a close-up over the shoulder. No. You, know, you never worry about that stuff. No. In order to tell the story in a movie, you got to tell people where you are. Yes. And who's in it. Yes. So it has to be photographed. And it yes. has to be photographed in many different ways to give you, like you said, access in editing. You don't, you don't know what is going to be a moment until later. You always think you yes. had a moment, but later you find, oh, look, there was that over-the-shoulder close-up was the best (laughs) reading of that line. It was the best. So you never know. So you do a master, which is place and head-to-toe with a lot of people, and then you do a tighter shot. Usually that's that's comedy gold. Two guys waist shot because the reaction, as you know, is just as important as the joke itself. Yes, yes. I like the waist shot, and I don't like a close-up because it gets in the way. And I, I actually was fired off of a television show because the guy who ran Warner Brothers at the time wanted more close-ups because and he said to me, that's how comedy is played in close-ups. This is a, the most serious, dull human being telling me. You were working for a dope. <laughs> I was, I was. I mean, the close-up is important, but never... On the comedian, think it's important on the the guy who's reacting. Yeah, you know. Also, the big mistake is a lot of uh, new directors anticipate if a guy's going to say something funny, they leave a loose shot and they cut to him because he's going to say that funny thing. Yes, and then all all the air goes out of it because he's cut to the joke. And you have people doing big things, so it's especially good to not tell them. Yeah, I like like physical comedy. Yeah, and you want to surprise people with it, too. right. Also, I like to surprise them with language. Yeah. Because in, uh, for instance, Comment dit-on anglais, l'histoire du monde, premier parti. History of the World, Part One. I just, I think, I'd like to think in French. Yes, really? You know, and then it brings it back. Really? No, that was. That's hilarious. I just happen yeah. to know it's. Yeah. I just happen to know I knew, how it's. Yeah, I knew it wasn't Yiddish, so yeah, I wondered right, what yeah, it was yeah. that you were. So it was French. So do that again. Just say it one more time. Okay. Comment dit, comment dit, l'histoire du monde, premier parti. Then I go back to to English. Yeah. History of the World, Part One. Yes, we're in we're in Versailles, ostensibly in Versailles. Where mm-hmm. I'm with the Harvey Corman. I am King Louis the Sixteenth, and Harvey Harvey is I call him the Count the Money. He kept saying De Monet, De Monet he keeps <laughs> correcting me. You know, I said Count the Money. Come here, Count. You know, that's hilarious. He says to me, uh, he's looking at me. I'm playing two parts. Mm-hmm. I'm playing King Louis. Mm-hmm. I'm also playing a guy who runs around with a bucket to uh, alleviate uh, people who have to, you know... Have to go sometimes. Have to go. Yeah. So he says, Your Majesty, 
My God, what an uncanny resemblance. Your Majesty, you look exactly like the piss boy. And I said, he didn't, he didn't expect it, and I, which, is, which was the joke, yeah. you know. And he never expected a retort. And I said, and you look like a bucket of shit. You know, and then so Harvey broke up. Oh, I kept it it's in. Hilarious. It's in. I kept yeah. it in. So you never know what's going to happen. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's Mel Brooks' poetry. Yeah, well, I never said I was an intellectual. I never claimed to be uh, smarter than a, than a kid from Brooklyn. So, yeah, well, I think you're a and lot smarter works. than that. And I keep searching my... Tired, dry little brain. You said let's to recall exactly how and where and when we met. It was, had you just finished uh, Twelve Chairs at that point? Yeah, yeah, that was happening. So yeah, you, it was, you, I had just exactly. Yeah, it just right. And and then you said to meet me at the. I'll meet you, David, at the Russian Tea Room. Yeah, that I was standing outside Carnegie Hall. And I was so happy and excited to meet you. And you didn't say hello. You didn't say anything. They say, you know, you know what you're standing next to. You know what that is. And I say, yeah, it's Carnegie Hall. But you weren't pointing to Carnegie Hall. There was a big sign of a ballet dancer, and it was the Stuttgart Ballet. And he yeah, said, it's yeah. the Stuttgart Ballet. He said, but what saying, are they saying? Yeah, I, I said, I don't know that. what they're saying. I was he yelling. Said, Nazis. They're Nazis. Yeah, that was yeah. how you said hello uh, to me. Uh, and then, but we walked into the Russian tea room. You said, well, my booth is yeah. over there. And I thought, okay, I'll wait for you and we'll go sit there. But no, you worked the whole room. You went from yeah. booth to booth. Everyone knew you. Everyone wanted to talk yeah, to you. And like, everywhere you like stopped, yeah. people were laughing and going crazy. And you've done that your yeah. whole life. And we had we had, we had had dinner. Who else was there? That, uh, or every, the, the regular. No, who else there. was there with, with us in my booth? I think. Patashievsky was there. Yeah. And I think that Herb Gardner, the playwright, might have been there. Because see, these were people that I, I yeah. knew a little bit. You know, Patashevsky saw a rough cut. Well, really a fine cut of of, uh, of the twelve chairs. Of oh, the twelve chairs. Oh, oh. And I said I said, Do you know, Patty, I got like two or three really dull moments in the movie. But they they're little valleys. With the little information that helped the the rest of the movie, I don't know. You know, I, I, how do I cut them? He said, "Don't cut them." He said, "Listen, it gives the picture a little class, a little stature, like you're not worried, mm -hmm. like you." The you know, it's brilliant. Uh -huh. Ennui. That's the word he used. Yes. He said, "A little, a little ennui, ennui. Yes. gives the picture class. Yes. It shows you're not worried." about quiet moments you That's know you've got something good what a smart thing yeah and i agree and he, he i should have taken it away. he killed the picture <laughs> i should have taken it out but but i love that a yeah. little uh, a brush stroke of ennui yeah. gives the picture class That's you so know great. well patty was yeah. so smart patty was yeah. so smart yeah. patty was a friend of mine i don't even know how we met and be became friends and he and bob fossey and her gardener oh, yeah, had, well, they I had offices Herbie, together <clears throat> so i used to go i was the kid and they used to tell me stories. Oh, you were lucky to know. Yeah, oh, oh, it was incredible. And then, and then Bob Fossey said, "You know, how come you get here so late and you're sweating and all that?" I said, "Well, I go to the gym. I go to 63rd Street where I play basketball." I said, "You play basketball?" And I said, "Yeah, I'm pretty good." At, yeah. And I'm a surprise athlete. I was yeah. very good at, at playing basketball. And that was it. We forgot about that. Three months later, he says, "Where, where are you?" I said, "I'm in Los Angeles." He said, I want you to come to town. I said, okay, first we were, I only knew. What him. does he mean come to town? Come to New York from L.A. 
didn't tell me why. He said, I need you to come. So I said to my friends, I said, I wish I could go, but I don't know what it is. He said, it's, you know, it's Bob Fosse. You just go. Mm. So Robert Allen Arthur was a friend of mine we've discussed before, yeah, yeah, a great yeah. writer. He sent me a ticket, come and meet with Bob Fosse. And what Bob Fosse wanted to do was a musical version of the Harlem Globetrotters. And he heard I was a basketball player. Oh, really? And he said, I want you to write. I never heard this. Look, look at this little information that we're getting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, yeah, I yeah. want you to write the book of the Harlem Globetrotters and Abe Saperstein, who was the manager. Said, don't sugarcoat anything. You know, I white, black, whatever. Yeah, it is. yeah. You know, go away and just work on it. And there were two very big really? uh, producers going to produce it on Broadway. So I went to write it, and he said, "Well, where, where is it?" I said, "I'm writing, I'm writing." And I worked yeah. on it for six months, every day for six months. He loved it; it was great. And I left places for the music. And then Bob saw me, said, "Okay, good. Let's go in, and we we want to give it to the producers." And the producers had read it the day before we got there. And they said, you know, this is great, David. It's really great. Bob, this is wonderful. But they're just a few. But, 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 but. I hear the but there, but, <laughs> yeah. but. but a Already few, there's a but. A few little changes on yeah. Abe Saperstein and how he handled them because it's a little too harsh to do that. And I said, well, I could conceivably change that. And she said, just that. We need that. And then we could move forward. And I thought, <laughs> okay, well, this is a very good meeting. And Bob okay. says, Okay, David, we're out of here. <laughs> I said, what do you mean we're out of here? We're, yeah, we're in the middle yeah. of the meeting. No, 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 no. We are out of here. Go fuck yourself, he said to the producers. Wow. And he took me outside. I'd worked and for you six, never worked again. I worked for six months <laughs> yeah, and never right. got a penny. Oh, my. And he said, here's a lesson. If they're going to compromise you now, yeah. they'll compromise us all the way down the line. He was right, by He was way. right, yeah. He was right. Yeah, we became friends there was no. That. There was no, if they didn't like Go hundred percent. Yes, all in. We're yes. in. Yes. Then they would. Then the compromise yes. would never end. Yes. And you'd be, you'd be doing their show, not yours. <clears throat> yeah. So it's a great story. It yeah. really is. Well, I hate but to end should, on a great story. Well, of you mine. should take. You should take. <laughs> Take it and see if you can, you know. Oh, I, I now don't... that I've done Blazing Saddles, <laughs> the N word is open. Yes, it is. It is. It yeah. is. You, you were, you were you a pioneer. You use it. Right. You're a pioneer. I'm a pioneer. You're a pioneer. Farting and the N word. They're oh. mine. Uh, yeah. I give them to you. Yes, you're yeah. a Picasso. Yeah, yeah. A Picasso of farting. No, no, no Brock. Uh, Picasso's too much. Okay. <laughs> I'll just I'll settle for Brock. Yeah, yeah. Well, I. Anyway, David, I, I love do. you, and, I, and and you know, I seriously enjoyed this, even though there's no money in it for me. <laughs> and I really enjoyed this. Thank you, Mel. I'll call on you forever now. Every, yeah. every week I'll make you do something else you don't want to do. I'll do I'll be happy to do it. Happy Thanks. to do it. Thanks. This is a pleasure. Thank you. Take care. I don't